Now, we must all fear evil men. But there is another kind of evil which we must fear most. And that is the indifference of good men. This is the St. Longinus's Baptism Podcast Podcast Channel Episode Number Fifteen A Final Exhortation for Holiness Aimed at Set of Contest. But first a prayer. This prayer is entitled Prayer to the Holy Spirit for the Church. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. O Holy Spirit, Creator, mercifully assist your Catholic Church, and by your heavenly power strengthen and establish her against the assaults of all her enemies, and by your loving grace renew the spirit of your servants, whom you have anointed, that in you they may glorify the Father and his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. Amen. I know that most of my listeners are not set of a contest, and I suspect that the set of a contest that do listen have not listened to episode number four. Consider this episode my final exhortation for holiness for the set of a contest. These are general observations in my dealings online with people who are sedic vacantist and not aimed at anyone in general. I recommend to the newcomer from sedic vacantist who comes across this podcast to check out for resources the show notes from episodes 14, 13, 12, 10, 9, and 8. And the podcast introduction series at the beginning of this podcast, and they are entitled, surprise, surprise, uh, introductory, introductory, introduction to the podcast. And the podcast summary on the podcast. Um, basically, um, on this app, um, I have a chance to do a bio about my podcast. You know, what it's about, da-da-da-da-da. I've checked the uh, platforms that carry my podcast. All of them allow you to access the podcast bio, and the show notes. A lot of set of contests make the false distinction about the need for piety, devotion, and close spiritual union with God, thinking falsely as lay people that as long as they hold the correct doctrine, 
they're good. Sorry, um, my notes are horrible. So basically, they think as long as they hold the correct doctrine, you know, they don't have to do anything else. Um, you know, just go to mass, you know, follow the, the doctrine, the rules. And as long as they do that, you know, um, they're good to go. They're going to, you know, I think a lot of them think, you know, as long as I do the rules, um, I'm not going to be perfect. But, you know, by following the rules, I'm going to go to purgatory. Um, that is, that, that's not correct. That's not a correct outlook. And um, I think a lot of them are under the delusion that the job of spiritual union with God and piety is the job of the clergy. This is also uh, a false notion. It's, it is an error, biblically, spiritually, and doctrinally. The person who considers themselves true Catholics, who have read and understood the New Testament, the writings of the saints, the doctors and the fathers of the church, and the spiritual writers all understand that correct doctrine is your baseline. What I mean is, when you become a true Catholic, that's the minimum, and that's not for salvation. That's the minimum of what's expected from you. Like anything else, you know, a job or whatever, you're expected to grow at whatever you're doing. Um, depending on your boss, if you're not making progress, you may get canned. But I'll get to that later. And all Catholics, regard, regardless of their state in life, are to strive to be saints in this life, whether it is God's will for them to be saints or not. Basically, in other words, all Catholics, if they are kings, if they are barons, if they are peasants, if they are farmers, if they are soldiers, are expected to 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 grow in holiness and union and piety and doing the will of God. You know, just just holding on to the bare minimum is not going to get you into heaven. And if if you hold on to that notion, I I hope and pray that you will be um cleared of that particular notion. Now, what is a saint? And if you're said of a conscious, you're thinking I'm being condescending. No, I'm not. Um, there's a particular reason that I'm, that I put this in here. Um, a saint is a person who practices heroic virtue in their temporal life on earth. And basically, heroic virtue is 
that they've subjected their bodies and their wills to absolute, total, and utter obedience to God. And when they practice this heroic virtue, they get granted the honor of being called a friend of God. Um, and by the way, um, it is noted through Catholic spirituality of people who, um, for whatever reason, practiced heroic virtue and were friends of God while they were here on earth, but for whatever reason, they were not recognized as such. But I guarantee that if they were practicing heroic virtue, um, they, you know, they might not have been recognized by the magisterium, but they, they were definitely recognized by God when they got to heaven. Anyway, um, well, I want to add one more thing. And the thing I want to add is, given that we haven't had a legitimate magisterium since 1960, between 1960 and now, as I speak, I'm almost willing to bet that there were unknown saints in this, in this period that we never heard about. And um, just as an added notice, added note of snarkiness, the Vatican II Church would canonize Snoopy if it fit their own twisted agenda. Well, actually, they've set the bar so low that they would canonize Snoopy, and they'd probably make Pigpen a freaking uh, bishop, you know. But um, I digress. I was... I was in, Getting a little snarky there. A lot of set of accountants don't seem to realize that God is perfection himself. And that no one can enter into heaven with any sort of sin on their soul. It is a matter of Catholic uh, dogma that people who are not holy... I mean, any spot of saint, uh, a stain of sin, if they entered into God's presence, they would be immediately obliterated because God cannot, he's perfection itself and he can't have any imperfections in front of him. Um, there's a, I think it was Isaiah in the Old Testament, he had a vision where he he got to see God and one of the angels, or no, I'm sorry, he begged one of the angels because God asked him something. And he asked one of the angels, please touch this coal to purify my tongue. Because my tongue is not holy enough to be speaking with God Almighty. Something to that effect. But it was the prophet Isaiah. So, 
if he's having, you know, God brought him up there and God asked him a question and he, you know, God gave him the grace to understand he had to purify his tongue before he even thought of speaking to God. Imagine going to heaven or being admitted to heaven with a venial sin, the small, the tiniest venial sin you can think of. You know, maybe the clerk gave you an extra five cents and change and you kept it. But that was the only sin that you committed and then you got hit by a bus. And for whatever reason, you got brought before God, you would be instantly toast because you had that tiny, tiny little venial sin. So, now I will add that if they do know this, they will say, well, that's what purgatory is for. Um, I would say this is, this is a, uh, a false notion. Purgatory is actually God's mercy on us. Basically, there's in one of his epistles, St. Paul talks about there were there will be some people who get into heaven by the skin of their teeth. And I think in that same passage he talks about their their works will be burned as if straw, as if straw. And They'll get into heaven by the skin of their teeth. Basically, heaven is not for the people who did the bare minimum and coasted through their spiritual, well, actually, it's not even spiritual life, but coasted through life doing the bare minimum. Heaven is for those who strived and desired to, to, I'm sorry, I, I may have said heaven. I meant purgatory. Purgatory is designed not for those who coasted through life doing the bare minimum. Purgatory is for those who, for whatever reason, were imperfect in following God's will and their piety and their devotion. You know, and by the way, you know, because this is aimed at set of a contest, I'm sure you're all aware that, you know, mortal sin, you're not, you're not getting into purgatory, but, um, you're also not going to get into purgatory by, by being the same person or a little bit better than what you were when you were before you became a uh, true Catholic. It's for those who, tried to practice piety and devotion and um, the will of God and had venial sin, some sort of venial, unconfessed venial sin in their soul. So, um, basically, Since God is our author, he's our creator, he will judge us for our love of him and for the love of our neighbor. 
This is clearly stated by Jesus and St. Paul in the New Testament. Basically, when Jesus, uh, a young ruler, comes to him and says, Good master, what must I do? Um, what must I, I'm, I'm probably confusing the stories. Basically, a young ruler comes up and Jesus asks him, um, what are the two highest commandments? And the young ruler asks, or I'm sorry, the young ruler says, um, love your, your God with all your mind, all your heart and all your soul. And then Jesus asked him, he said, well, what's the second one? He says, love your neighbor as yourself, which basically means you love your neighbor like you love God. There's, there's further more to that particular story, but basically Jesus is saying that the two top commandments out of the 10 are love of God with your whole heart mind and soul and love of neighbor as yourself. And since self-love comes to a human being pretty easily, you're not to do anything to your neighbor that you wouldn't want done to yourself. But I want to boil it down to the bare basic essentials. Basically, because God gave you mercy, love, and um, forgiveness to enable you the honor of joining his one true church, you should show your neighbor the same love, understanding, and um, forgiveness that God showed you. That's the basic bottom line. If your motives for being in the true church are in any way tainted by secular motives or reasons and not motivated by love of God for his own sake and neighbor for the love of God will not, will not even qualify you for purgatory. And I'm going to add to this. This is why in Catholic biblical and spiritual teachings, it's heavily emphasized that striving for perfection, piety, devotedness, and doing God's will as much as you are able are prerequisites for salvation. You know, um, if you're willing to write off what I just said, out of hand as the rantings of a zealot be my guest you're you have free will but i strongly urge you uh, as a matter of fact i'm going to beg you please please uh check out what i'm saying there's a reason i give resources for all the episodes on my for most of the episodes on my podcast so um, I'm not pulling this out of my butt. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to fool nobody, you know, um, 
just to get it out of the way because I'm pretty tired. It's late. Um, I know if I don't say this now, I'll probably forget. The two, the two main resources, I'm not going to list them in the show notes because they're already listed in the show notes for other episodes. If you, if you want to verify what I'm saying is true, the number one resource I'm going to recommend is the Spiritual Life uh, podcast series on True Restoration Radio on Spotify and SoundCloud. They're, they're under the True Restoration channel. There's 16 episodes, I believe. The second resource I will recommend to you, and once again, this is also listed in the uh, show notes, but Abandonment to Divine Providence by Father um, Jean-Pierre de Cassade. And for those of you who may speak French, you can laugh at my massacring of the name. Um, that's my best pronunciation that I could give it. Um, I didn't have the, the option when I was in high school of taking French. It was a very small high school. But even if it had been authored, I, uh, offered, I probably wouldn't have taken it because... Um, quite frankly, being an American, I wasn't interested in, you know, I, I had the typical arrogant American attitude, let them speak English. Yes, I know that's an arrogant attitude, but, uh, God has given me enough grace. I'm not the same now as when I was 15. Thank, thank the Lord. In addition to saying that we are in the world, but not of it, and dying to the old man. Basically, the bottom line is we must reject everything the world values and die to our self-love, pride, and vanity. And put all our trust, hope, and confidence in God's will and to follow it. And be as obedient to it as best as we are able and let God do the rest. We are also called to be martyrs in two senses. I've noticed a lot of a lot of people who are said of a contest think that martyrs are only people who died you know, in defense of the faith. In other words, like the, the Roman martyrs of the beginning of the church, the, uh, the martyrs in, during the Protestant revolt and the F French martyrs during the French Revolution. There actually, there are two kinds of uh, martyrs. This is in Catholic spiritual teachings. The, num the, the first type of martyr is what I just listed. A physically martyred actually dying for their faith. The second type of martyr 
is the spiritual martyrdom, which is dying to self-will. In other words, basically, the second type of martyrdom is basically sacrificing everything to, to grow in piety and devotion and obedience to God's will as you are able to do while you're here on earth, which means dying to your old self. There is either, there, it's actually a quote, and if you look it on the internet, you probably find it. I don't remember if it were, if it was a saint bishop or if it was a saint pope. But basically, what this uh, saint was saying was, not everybody is going to be honored with an actual martyrdom for the faith. And the majority of Catholics are going to have to be spiritual martyrs in order to get into heaven. I'm paraphrasing, um, but that's basically what he said. A lot of set of contests online view our religion as an exclusive clique, which excludes any outsiders. And this is historically, biblically, and doctrinally false. In the past, the Catholic Church was called the Ark of Salvation, meaning even if there were only eight people on the Ark that didn't keep that didn't keep Noah and his family from warning their sinful neighbors. As a matter of fact, um, they even offered their neighbors. They said, hey, get on the ark, man. Get on the ark. There's a flood coming. And, you know, their neighbors, you know, they, they were normies. And they said, no, no, no. You're, you know, you do your crazy thing. We're going to do ours. And guess what? They drowned. But um. In the past, the Catholic Church has been called the Ark of Salvation. And that means everybody who's... Oh, I'll get into that. If we consider ourselves true Catholics, we should be open to anyone of goodwill who wishes to be a part of us without worldly rash judgment or worldly expectations. And as far as dying to the old man goes, we should be, we should strive for being the opposite of our old selves prior to conversion. Uh, as we Americans can, uh, as we Americans would say, a complete 180. We are not the chosen people. And in this respect, that once we are baptized and confirmed in the true church, we can rest on our laurels and we could just rest on our laurels. We, you know, just go about our day-to-day -day existence, you know, not really thinking differently, not really uh, acting differently, um, not really speaking differently. But just, you know, um, we're basically the same people that we were, um, uh, maybe some of the more blatant 
you know, mortal sins we were committing. We stopped those, but basically in thought, word, and deed, we're just basically the same people we were. Um, we are to keep striving for spiritual perfection until the day we die. Read any traditional Catholic prayer book. There are plenty of prayers that say, please help me to persevere until the end of my life here on earth. There's a reason that that prayer is in there. And I repeat, we are not an exclusive club or clique in the worldly sense. Now, I want to I wanna clarify what I mean by this. Anybody who's been in high school, anyone who's who works in a factory or whatever, there are little cliques, you know, they're exclusive. Oh, these they're the cool guys, or these are the intellectuals, or these are the you know, um in in my day in high school, basically um a clique was a group of friends who basically uh were mutual mutual backslappers of each other and they basically you know thought that they were superior to everyone else in high school um that is what i mean in the worldly sense we are called to be holy and devout examples to our neighbors with no exceptions or excuses And if you are trying to grow in piety and devoutness, you know, this, this teaching, or I should say this, this particular doctrine will make more sense. If you're just, if you're just marking time, you know, and, and self-satisfied with yourself, what I'm talking about is going to sound as alien to you as if I were an actual alien. The reason St. Paul and the church uses military metaphors is um, when we enlist basically baptism and confirmation, our enlistment period is not up until we die. Uh, most people who are remotely familiar with how the military operates on the secular level knows, depending on the country, you can have a term of service from anywhere between two to eight years, depending on which country's military you serve under. The soldier is to do Whatever duty he's commanded by his commander, Jesus in the large picture, his priest and bishop in the local level. There's no distinction or separate expectation in holiness between the enlisted and the officers, basically between the clergy and the laity. Everyone is held to the same standard. Which I might add, unlike secular rule, um, you know, basically the rule of the seculars is do as I say, not as I do. The clergy, 
excuse me, the clergy and the hierarchy is held to a higher expectation of excellence based that they were given special, special spiritual powers and authority. You know, they were given those by God. So much more is expected of them. However, that doesn't mean that the laity aren't expected from the high standards of holiness that God demands. They still are. It's just that if they mess up as laity, you know, they're not going to be judged as harshly as the clergy who um, don't hold the highest standard. We are to be the example to those who are not part of the church militant. Now, some people get it twisted and they think of the church militant as like the crusaders or the Swiss guard, you know, the military arm. That's, that's massively twisted. The church militant, um, Basically, I think it was St. Leo XIII who coined the term. Or it might have been Pius X. One of those two popes coined the term. But basically, the Catholic attitude, you know, prior to like the 19 or the 1800s was everybody was the church militant. Everybody. The kings, the knights, the nobles, the shopkeeps. The peasants, the beggars, everybody was the church militant because it was implicitly understood, even even at the height of Catholic um, society in the thir uh, thirteen no twelve hundreds. They were called the church, you know, or they were considered themselves part of the church militant. In the sense that they were supposed to fight corruption in themselves and the corruption of the society around them. You know, some, some people consider, take things, I, I don't know, they get the, they get the, the definitions twisted. You know, the church militant is not, you know, yes, you know, the church militant does consist of soldiers who fight for the church. But that's not the church militant itself. Everybody who's a Catholic is the church militant. Because you're fighting against yourself and you're fighting against the corruption of a secular fallen society. And, and you're trying to, to help those people who are dying in their sin. The um we are expected to do our duty regardless of the ultimate cost or, or of our station in life. In other words, if God's will inclines you to be, you know, a physical martyr. And quite frankly, you're to be a physical and spiritual, but 
you know, like I said, some people aren't called to be, are not honored to be actual physical martyrs. But if you are so honored, you're to do your duty. Meaning that if the uh, Masonic satanic goons either start torturing you or put a gun to your family's head and say, renounce Jesus Christ in the set of a conscious church or we're murdering your family. You know, um, you're expected, you know, you're expected to say, I know this is going to sound harsh to you guys, but it's the truth. You're going to be expected to say, I would rather they die than renounce Jesus Christ. And his set of a contest church. Desertion, if repented of, if not repented of, is the death penalty, which is hell. No excuses are tolerated by our divine leader, God. Oh, by the way, I forgot to... Um, I mentioned in the last part about you're to do your duty regardless of your station in life. In other words, if you are a king, you are to strive for holiness and perfection as because you are a ruler, you are to be more you you are to set the example of holiness basically. If you're a noble, you're not held to quite a highest standards as a king, but you're still expected to set the example for your peasants. And the peasant is supposed to set the example for his family and friends and his neighbors. And if you're the soldier, well, guess what? You too have to be holy. Um, the crusaders, um, some of them, some of the, the, the Templars and the Hospitallers in particular were military monastic orders, meaning that they took a, pow, a vow, that the, the monastic military orders took a vow of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And the other people who went on crusades were basically either doing it out of love for God and wanting to defend the Catholic Church or for... um I believe it was indulgences. I think it was Pope Urban the first or second who basically said, if you go on the first crusade, you know, if you go and, and fight the, the heathens, you know, and help free Jerusalem, you will get um, indulgences on some of your sins or maybe all of them. I'm, I'm not an expert on the Crusades. I just know that some of the Crusaders, they went out of love of uh, God and Catholicism and they wanted to help, you know, retake, you know, the Christian land of uh, Palestine. And some of them, you know, they they love God, but they also went because they were trying to to get an indulgence for whatever sins they had committed. Everything is to be geared toward the final objective, heaven. And as I stated earlier, the only way to get to heaven is 
you have to be, you have to actively be working at rejecting yourself, rejecting the world, and working at a closer union with God. To those set of a contest who need visible authorities and sacraments, I would suggest that since God is the author of time, space, and creation, that the true Catholic Church of the present moment was put here to atone for the sins of true Catholics in the past who neglected their duties to God by presumption, complacency, self-indulgence for themselves, and indulgence toward secular society. And as a matter of fact, I believe that there are prophecies to this effect. Um, I don't know if a particular saint gave these prophecies or if Marian apparition gave these prophecies. Um, it might have been both, but I do know either a saint or a Marian apparition said they they predicted what would happen in the you know that the the Vatican II Church would come, and what would you know and basically why the Vatican Church did come. I foresee a time when all the outward signs of God's church, the clergy, the hierarchy, the sacraments, books, Bibles, sacramentals, will be taken away so that people who truly love God will be forced to only follow God's will as their example. And I've already hinted that Vatican II is a is a temporal punishment for Catholic, you know, previous Catholic disobedience to God. And and basically, you know, they didn't keep up they didn't keep up with their duties as Catholics. So what I'm what I'm attempting to say here is, is that my, my theory is, is the reason why that God will um, allow Satan to take away the visible scent of a conscious church and priests. And by the way, I'm well aware of that in England, during the Protestant revolt and in Mexico during the Mexican revolution, you had roaming priests, you know, still doing the sacraments or not and stuff, but they were, they were rare and they were busy, very, very busy. So a lot of people had to do without the outward signs, you know, of the church, no confessors, no uh no spiritual advisors you know they they basically had to do the best they could and i believe that or my theory is the reason that god's doing this is that since catholics and i'm talking about not talking about vatican II people i'm talking about you know people who consider themselves true catholics they um 
they basically stop following God's will. My, um, my theory is, is that for this generation of true Catholics, basically we have to pay for the spiritual sins of our predecessors and how we're going to be expected to make good of the spiritual sins of our predecessors is that the majority of us, you know, I'm sure that some are going to be blessed to have a hidden priest or whatever, but I think for the majority of set of they're going to have to, everything will be taken away from them. So that they have to rely on God's will alone. Okay? They're not going to have access, you know, outside of prayers, outside of rosaries. But as far as spiritual advice, as, you know, as far as um, the sacraments, they're not going to have those. They're going to have to rely on doing God's will as best as they can. And I, be- my theory is the reason that God's doing this is is he further wants to he further wants to separate the wheat from the chaff i mean when you think about it sedvacantism in and of itself has been a minority within a minority and then if what i if my theory comes to pass it's going to take the minority within a minority and winnow, winnow it down even further. So, like I said, it's it's my theory. Um, you know, I'm not claiming any authority on this. This is just my theory. So, take it for what it's worth. And for those said vacantists who think I'm being self-righteous, prideful, and not charitable... I would answer that if I'm not doing God's will as he intends, I will pay the ultimate price. And for that matter, if I'm bringing dishonor on him, his son, or the Blessed Virgin Mary, I deserve and expect to pay whatever my punishment might be. But if you feel that this is too harsh, or I'm sorry, if you feel that I'm being too harsh, Which would you rather hear, this podcast now, or to be, and uh, I'm sorry, to hear this podcast now, and to be upset, or on your personal judgment here, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. Believe it or not, I do this podcast because I'm trying to atone for my sins, of basically despising my fellow man. And I care for your ultimate faith as a very, very flawed, failed human can care about you. So, um, Like I said, this is my final exhortation for holiness amongst the Vacantes. Um, 
I, I humbly beg and beseech you, give this some thought. Give this some thought. Um, God plays for keeps. And so should we. Um, I'm doing this because I really do care or as much as I'm able. Like I said, I'm flawed and I'm failed. But I do care. I want to, I would like, there, 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 there have been some saints saying that very few people enter into the kingdom of heaven. But if I can be an instrument of God's will and bring in a little, you know, some people, anybody, one person, um, I will, I will be very, very happy. I will be very, very happy. Um, you know, so I just want to thank you for listening. Um, I often close out my podcast with saying you didn't have to listen. And I do truly appreciate, I really do, the fact that you did listen, that you gave me your time. I'm I'm not I'm not one of these uh modernists who thinks that my time is more important than yours. Everybody's time is equally important. So when you take time out of your schedule to listen to me and give me a fair listen, I appreciate that. I really do. And um I do, like I said uh, in a previous podcast, I, I realize my personality is uh, like a rabid porcupine. But believe it or not, I do care about it as much as I can, as much as I'm able, about my fellow human beings. It just doesn't come across that way. I want to let you know I am praying for you. I pray for everybody. So thank you for your time. God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. You people have been chosen to reveal our existence to the world. You will witness what happens here today, and you will tell of it later.